It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, February 5th, 2018. Now only 27 days until the LA Galaxy will take the field against the Portland Timbers on March 4th, the very opening game of the 2018 season. But we have a lot of fun things to talk about with my wonderful co-host, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Uh, The LA Galaxy actually played a preseason game, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, A little Zlatan update for you as well, and uh, a whole bunch of things in between, including taking a brief look, at least a a small little window, into the LA Galaxy's game coming up on Saturday against New York City FC. So a bunch to talk about, a bunch to get to, uh, still some rumors involved as well, so uh, I think it's going to be a pretty busy show as it usually is. But let's talk to our intrepid reporter, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? You said 20, 27 days to the opener. You don't have that broken down by hours, minutes, and, and fractions of seconds by now? You know, if you keep talking long enough, I might actually be able to look it up because I do have a countdown timer on it. But no, I don't. I, I knew okay. you did. 27 days is enough for me, Kevin. I don't know if it's enough for you. Um, it, but this all seems to be happening rather... It, it's funny. We always look at these things and we say, hey, you know, there's so much time uh, you know, until this happens or until that happens. And now you're inside of 30 days and the galaxy, you know, will be playing an actual competitive match that counts, you know, for the season. That, that seems, that seems crazy in, in a lot of ways. But look at how far the team has come. And by that, I was thinking earlier today, I know we'll talk about the game with Real Salt Lake. Jao Pedro played in that game and was on sort of the third team as they, uh, as, as Ziggy kind of, uh, you know, tapped into his inner NFL coach and had uh, platoons coming in and off the field. And Jao was in the third team. Do you remember back at this time last year with all the young players coming in and management trying to sell us on the idea of the of younger is better? And Jao Pedro was, he was number eight. They gave him Steven Gerrard's number. He was going to take Steven Gerrard's place. And, of course, Alessandrini had uh, Robbie Keane's number, even though he didn't want it. Um, but – Pedro was going to be the big star. He was the guy. He was the, they told us that was the, you know, the guy they really wanted in the offseason. That was their big signing signing. And we were all kind of looking forward to how this team was going to come together. Now, fast forward a year, we're looking at a team with Perry Kitchen, uh, with Ola Kamara. Um, it, it's just an entirely different vibe. At least that's what I'm feeling. The signings that Ziggy made in the offseason and the way this team has turned around. And now it's a solid veteran team that I, I think you can actually look forward and kind of based on history, extrapolate what's going to happen going forward, where last year it was just a, a real shot in the dark that uh, that missed widely. Yeah, I was going to say, you're right. It is. It, it does feel a lot different. Uh, it does feel, uh, I think, better. I, I think it, people will agree that better is probably the, the first way to say it. Um, but the, the the Galaxy now, and it has their constructed, Kevin, are, are a different team. And, and quite honestly, I was talking to somebody who, who really takes a look at the league uh, on sort of a, a wide basis and looking at things, and, and they went back and they said, you know, 
I keep trying to talk myself out of it, but if you look at the LA Galaxy and how they're constructed this year, what they did in the offseason was unbelievable in terms of adding, I, I think, a good starting lineup and now depth to that lineup as well, Kevin. Um, there is depth there. I know people are going to complain about the 3-1 loss. Um, you people are idiots, but if you watch that, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, and 30 minutes, Kevin, you know, the second team is really the quote-unquote depth and while they didn't look great together and they certainly gave up some goals and there's some issues there, uh, you're not expecting the depth to play with other depth here. You're expecting the depth to be able to come in and fill in in the starting 11 whenever you need them to. So I look for individual performances in that more than I look for any sort of cohesion between that second team. And I think the coaches will tell you the same thing, that uh, sure, they want to win, but th the results really don't matter that much. It's how the team plays. And th the big difference for me between that team and this team, and then, you know, I, I, didn't make to, uh, I don't mean to make fun of Jao Pedro, but this team fits together. You can see the pieces fit together. You can see how they work together. You can see where each, uh, what each guy's role is and where each guy's going to play, even for the bench guys. Last year, it, you just never saw that. I mean, if you remember, the season started with a midfielder playing it right back, um, and it just got worse from there. This this time, not only is there the, the good starting lineup and the depth, as you mentioned, but everybody has a role, and the pieces all fit together. Yeah, there are five players, and I'll give you the starting lineup for the, uh, the, first, uh, the first 30 minutes for the LA Galaxy here, but there are five players who did who were not on this team last year that are now starters um, you know, for the LA Galaxy and for, for a foreseeable future, they're going to be starters. There's only one sort of name on here that if you're looking at a total sort of starting lineup, Kevin, you say that, hey, maybe he's not a starter later in the year, but right now he is, and that's Emmanuel Boateng. Um, granted, he was a starter all year last year, but I think everybody expects that Sebastian Legette, who ended up playing on the second team, will eventually be the starter in that left uh, wing position there. But it was uh, David Bingham in goalkeeper, uh, you had Ashley Cole at left back, uh, Jorgen Schielvik, uh at left center back, Daniel Stairs at right center back, and then you had Rolf Felcher at right back. So those were that was your defensive alignment. Uh, at left wing, it was Emmanuel Boateng. Jonathan Dos Santos was your uh, center mid, along with Perry Kitchen, who was your central defender or central uh, mid central defending midfielder. Why can't it Hold, CDM? Midfielder. Yeah, there the you go. Mid. You're the holding mid. Um, so you had Perry Kitchen in there. Uh, you had a Roman Allison Jr. on the right-hand side. Giovanni Dos Santos as the second striker and Ola Kamara up top. Uh, the the names that sort of pop out at me and the guys who really did well, uh, at least in, in the limited amount of time that we were able to see him, Kevin, you had Perry Kitchen, who I think was the MVP of the first 30 minutes, uh, a guy who was who also picked up a yellow card in the 11th minute, so I don't know if you want to really want to make him the MVP, but a guy who added so much bite and stability back there and allowed Jonathan Dos Santos to get forward, and, and not to mention had some footwork to actually open up some plays as well uh, on the offensive side. So Perry Kitchen was, at least my, in my mind, the standout for me. Well, here's the, here's the thing. With Felcher and, and Shelvick and then Perry Kitchen um, and then David Bingham, so if you say, okay, that's your defense, those six guys – Four of the six are new, and uh, they need to learn how to communicate with one another. They need to, you know, the, the the teamwork between the defenders is really, really important. You see it up front when, uh, you know, a midfielder uh, makes a cross and the striker is not there. You And you can see that, obviously. It's, it's much harder to notice on the back line, but it's much more dangerous, too, because that's how you give up goals. Anyway, remember, those those guys played 30 minutes, did not give up a goal. This was a team that was second 
worst in MLS last year, giving up 67 goals. Those guys did not give up a goal in their 30 minutes. And again, you mentioned Perry Kitchen. You know, that's a big reason why I think um, that the back four are not going to get stranded on an island like they were so many times last year. That, And these guys have already shown some chemistry and, and an ability to work together. And my guess is that's only going to get better. Yeah, I mean, there there were some sketchy moments. David Bingham had to make a diving stop. Uh, Joao Plata playing for Real Salt Lake uh, pinged one off of, off the far post. Um, but still, it looked like uh, for the most part that the the LA Galaxy defense was okay. If you, if you want to pay, if you want to say who won the first thirty minutes, uh, it was zero zero. But the Galaxy had more of the dangerous chances. But I mean, that sort of gets back to one of my I, I think key sort of highlights for me, Kevin, is that the LA Galaxy offense did very well in creating chances and couldn't finish any, but Ola Kamara's name wasn't called very often, and, and it's for a very obvious reason, if you really go down, and at least in my mind, uh, of what you see from that offense, and it's that, you know, Emmanuel Boateng, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, Roman Alessandrini, Giovanni Dos Santos, they all played with each other before. This was easy combinations for those guys. They looked like, really, they were they were all clicking, sort of clicking on all cylinders in terms of the interchange, the passing. I mean, there was some, obviously, it's preseason. You're going to see some rust out there. But when you look at what those guys were able to do, they created chances. The guy who really didn't have too many touches on the ball was Ola Kamara. And if you're a Galaxy fan, that shouldn't worry you. It's just the fact that they haven't played with him before. And quite honestly, the Galaxy sort of played with out that striker all year last year. I think it's going to take him some time to work Kamara into those, you know, those quick passing. He got on the ball, but he was never open. He was never clearly open for a shot. And and that's going to come, you know, time as they as these guys start to work together. I'd like to see Gio drop back a little bit. I, I think Ola should be uh, up front pretty much alone, really a target striker, not a rather than a first and second striker. I think he should be the target guy. Uh, and I'd like to see Gio play back a little bit, and you know he'll still be dangerous. But but I like to see him do a little more feeding than trying to score and and let Kamara do what he does. He, he's the fourth leading scorer in MLS over the last two seasons, and that's why the Galaxy got him. And, and you're right, that that chemistry, as I just said, with the back line, the chemistry is important. But I think it takes a little longer for it to develop up front. Um, and and guys, one thing too is you know we saw this with Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan. They were so good at it. They they anticipated where each other was going to be. Uh, and um, that, you know, you saw a lot of no-look passes, back-heel passes, those kind of things. That doesn't happen the first month or week or maybe even the first season. We I don't know how many times we'll see it, but th- these guys have the talent to be able to pull that off. Um, Kamara will be fine. It's just going to take a little bit. You know, he's been, what, two, been here – 10 days, give him a break. He'll be okay. Yeah, it is. And and by the way, I was talking to a couple players, um, and basically they were saying how hard they have been training and strength and conditioning has been such the focus, especially in Tucson. They said that they uh, they were tired, uh, their legs were heavy, and so uh, you know they were looking forward to a little bit of a break as they travel back to Los Angeles, which happened uh, today, Monday, as we record. They were supposed to be arriving back in Los Angeles today, and then they'll resume sort of their training uh, coming up here uh, throughout the week and, and leading up to the game on yeah, Saturday. They'll, they'll, they're, off, they're off Tuesday. They'll be back on the field Wednesday. And you talk about strength and conditioning. And 
you know, you look at the galaxy and Ziggy Schmidt, he just uh, exudes strength and conditioning, right? I mean, you see Ziggy and that's the <laughs> kind of Jack Lane. That's what you think of right away. Yeah, I know. I, it's always sort of that that juxtaposition is here's a guy who's going to make you guys, you know, make make professional athletes run back and forth and back and forth. And uh, if Ziggy did that, I'm not sure it would turn out well for him. But yeah, it is. It is a focus. It has been a focus, and it's one of those things that I think for the Galaxy will help them, but it also will impact these games as they're going. If they're going to be training this hard, if they're going to be you know, doing all this stuff and having Monday and Tuesday off is going to be a, a good thing for them, um, but if they're doing all these things, it will eventually have an effect on you know the performance on the field. And right now for the Galaxy, maybe you saw some heavy legs. Granted, 30 minutes out of those guys uh, wasn't horrible. Uh, and, and for the most part, everybody looked like they were doing pretty well and, and certainly pacing with Real Salt Lake there. But it, it was a good performance. The first 30 minutes was a good, solid performance for the Galaxy. And I even thought Giovanni Dos Santos played well. Uh, definitely coming in from underneath, uh, com- coming from a little bit wider left uh, maybe than he has been in, in years past, which is fine too. I really like an, an outside-in run. That seems to work. So I, I think Gio seems to be you know more and more in, in form. Maybe Jonathan as well. Maybe the Mexican national team helping them uh, gain a little bit of fitness and, and form before their their MLS debuts here. But for me, the first 30 minutes was a wild success. And for Galaxy fans who were sitting out there, you know, complaining or, you know, looking at the scoreline and saying that 3-1, oh, you guys just keep losing. I saw it over and over again. Um, and granted, I don't think they're hardcore fans that are saying that, Kevin, but those are also people who go and like talk at the water cooler to their friends and, and, and different things. And they're like, oh, you know, the Galaxy are going to suck again because they lost 3-1 to Real. So pay attention to what's going on on the field. These preseason games and the scores really don't matter. You'd like to see the Galaxy put some in the back of the net. That's important. But you also want to see what is developing here. And I think a lot of times maybe you worry more if you're winning every preseason game than if you're losing every preseason game. And so for the Galaxy, it's about steady progress. It's about working Kamara into that attack. That's going to be the hardest thing I think they do in the offseason is getting Kamara to feel comfortable in that attack with Gio, with Roman, with Ima Boateng out there as well. Um, you know, with Jonathan Dos Santos sort of playing back there as well. So all of these things are important for them to happen. I, again, I was really impressed with Perry Kitchen and the defense. I think that the defense did okay. Uh, Felcher had a couple missed assignments. That's to be expected. He gets forward on the right-hand side. Ashley Cole's getting forward on the left-hand side. Steres uh, started over Siani, which is uh, an important thing to note uh, if you're paying attention uh, to sort of that positioning battle. So Steres did fine, I think, with Shielvek. Shielvek sort of looks a little bit like like a, a, a yellow Von Dom to me, Kevin. Uh, he got forward from that center position, uh, liked to take the ball up when there was space, uh, seemed to be able to distribute. So all of these things, in my mind, are good things that you want to see from from these defenders. And the defenders didn't panic back there whenever things went a little awry as well, which is another good sign. So for me, uh, if you're looking at this, this is an A-plus from the LA Galaxy's first 30 minutes. Uh, with the starting lineup that was out there, that was great. And I think that you should be, if you're a Galaxy fan, you should be happy with that. Well, let me let me buttress some of the points you made in that long, long Trump State of the Union a length soliloquy you just had. Um, and then push back on a couple of things. First of all, the idea that the, these results or these games don't really matter. Uh, I'll get to a little bit more of that in a second. But just to kind of make your point, 
New York FC is going to play the Galaxy on Saturday, uh, Saturday night at StubUp Center. They're playing LAFC the day before at UCLA. So clearly those guys are going to be exhausted. Uh, the New York City staff is not looking at this as these two games as must-win games. I mean, I would imagine by the time they get to the StubHub, if they play the, any, any of the same players, those guys are going to be exhausted. And, and, and frankly, that's kind of what you want. For two reasons, it you know the conditioning gets better, but also players look at that and say, you know what, I was dog tired in that game against Real Salt Lake, and I was able to play, so I know that I can do that in July in Houston. That uh, you know I find a way to cope and and maybe to conserve energy, and they'll find things out about their body and stuff, and and it will help them grow. I mean, it's the whole idea of uh, you know when you're lifting weights, you lift the weight until you can get to the point where you can lift a, a heavier weight, if you know what I mean. So, um, the, the the taxing nature of all this that's going on right now, that's a that's a good thing. However, I will say that I think that winning is important. It's not the only thing, but um, if you're working really hard and you're not getting uh, any results from that, if you're uh, if you're uh, really pushing the ball up the field and you're not scoring any goals. As you said, some of the, um, they had some bad luck around the front of the net. They were creating chances, but weren't finishing them. Sometimes that gets in your head a little bit. And, um, you know, the galaxy, if they were to say have a 500 preseason, that would be great. If they were able to, to have a winning preseason, even better. But if you go into the preseason, you haven't won a game. I mean, we saw that we actually did see that a couple of times with Chivas in their final years where they just got blown out in the preseason. And, Maybe the team was was terrible, but they that certainly carried over to their first few games in the regular season until they started to click a little bit. Um, you just start thinking that things are going to be bad when uh, you're not having success in the field. So you're right; these it doesn't matter, but it does. It matters, I think, mentally a little bit that you uh, have some success. That three-one loss, one of the goals was on a penalty kick, another goal came late. So it, you could kind of argue maybe it was a a draw. Uh, you know, for a lot of the game that the teams were pretty even. The score ended 3-1, to one, though, and um, yeah, I think the Galaxy would like to see some better results getting closer to the season. Well, yeah, but at the same time, that third string involved, like, academy players and guys I didn't even know their names. So I, I don't, I again, that, that doesn't bother me, and second string doesn't bother me. It's really about the first team and then taking individuals from that second team or third team and, and understanding where they plug in. So, um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It does matter eventually. It just doesn't matter right now. Uh, that, you know, score, that score means nothing. And when you talk about the second team, I knew that, that this was on our list of things to talk about. Efrain Alvarez played, 15-year-old. Yep. Played, he was a, he was up front, playing as a forward. And, and I thought that was interesting, and, and we can talk about where he fits in uh, on the team in a minute. But what I thought was most interesting is this 15-year-old was trying to score against Nick Romando, uh, second oldest player in MLS. Nick Romando was 23 years old, and it was in his second season, the first season as a full-time starter at D.C. United when Efren Alvarez was born. Yes. And now Efren Alvarez was trying to score on him, and I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, well, Efren is uh, is 15 years old, and then you had uh, you had Uli Yanez as well, who's 16 years old. Again, um, I think both of those guys are on LA Galaxy 2 right now. Um, Yanez could be an academy player, though, if I'm... I, I still have to update my LA Galaxy 2 roster and figure out where everybody is. But you had 15- and 16-year-olds on the second team uh, playing, you know, against still a very good, I think, RSL uh, lineup. Somebody argued that said that was not an A plus RSL lineup because they were missing, you know, certain players. And I'm like, those guys were injured. So technically speaking, from the players that were available, that was what RSL was going to go with. So you had you had uh, uh, Alvarez and, and Giannis playing there, and they both didn't look out of place. I mean, that's something to take away from this: is that you had a 15 year old and a 16 year old playing on a team, as you said, with uh, with Nick Romando on there. 
there, uh, playing on a team and not looking out of place. That's a huge, huge advantage for the LA Galaxy if they can start getting these 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids um, some of those first-team minutes. Now, I don't think that, you know, that Efren Alvarez should necessarily live on the senior team and therefore live on the bench, but I do think that at LA Galaxy 2, he's going to get a lot of time, and that could mean some time in U.S. Open Cup or in some other experimental places, uh, perhaps a call-up in the middle of the season uh, during the dog days of summer to have him come up and play some senior team minutes as well. But bottom line is keep these kids playing at LA Galaxy 2 on a regular basis and feed them some senior team minutes whenever you can. Well, here's what I do. I, I sign him to, to, LA, to the Galaxy team or at least get him to the point where he can train with them. And I have him train with Ola Kamara, and I have him train with Alessandrini and Sebastian Legette every day and get him on the training field with those guys. But um, only in very rare instances, U.S. Open Cup, maybe when there's an injury, do I bring him up to the first team to play in a game because he's just not going to get any minutes. He's not going to start over Kamara. He's not going to start – he's not going to come off the bench over Boateng or Bradford Jameson. So – um, there are just no minutes there for him, and he needs to develop. So I train him with the first team just to get the experience and to be around those guys and to learn, learn some of those little tricks because as good as he is, and he is really good, as good as he is, um, he's those guys are better. You know, They're just more experienced, if nothing else. Um, they know little tricks of the trade that they will teach him. So he trains with those guys, but he needs minutes. He needs to play. There are things that you can only learn in a game. So he plays with LA Galaxy 2 and, and, two and trains with LA Galaxy 1, in my mind, at least for this season. And then, as you said, put him in there in some open cup games. Allow him to get some confidence. Don't play him against uh, Toronto. Play him against, I don't know, the you know some USL team uh, or in, uh, NASL team. And let him feel like it, that he can do some things while he's wearing a Galaxy shirt. Um, but you're right, the future is bright. And the difference is last year a lot of these young kids were starting and were having to play all of these minutes. This year you have two young kids who are going to be studs, and you you can bring them along slowly. Um, that's a huge advantage. It's a big difference between what happened last year. Yeah, and it doesn't mean, by the way, that those guys don't eventually get uh, senior team minutes here in the you know in the next couple of years um, to where they could be a bench player or possibly even a starter whenever they're 18 years old. I mean, that, that makes 100% sense to me if they're going to develop at the rate that you expect them to. So, I mean, you're seeing early days with both of the kids. Love to see them up on the second team uh, on, on LA Galaxy. Uh, two and and sort of getting some time now in the I think there's 35 players who are traveling right now with the LA Galaxy or who are in camp with the LA Galaxy in Tucson. So uh, a bunch of guys are getting a bunch of time and a bunch of minutes and they're all training together and that that's I think is only a positive. But you did mention one thing, Kevin. You mentioned a name who we finally got to see and who actually played a role uh, in in the LA Galaxy's one goal that they had. You mentioned Sebastian Legette, who made his first appearance back since s- sustaining that uh, horrible Liz Frank injury. Uh, he played some actual minutes, played all 30 minutes, uh, was the assist on the set piece that Siani scored uh, it, as soon as the second team actually came on, just after, I think, the 32nd minute or something like that, 33rd minute. Um, so that was, uh, I think that was a real positive for LA Galaxy fans and, and certainly a positive for Sebastian Legette. Well, I mean, that was an amazing cross. It must have been 40 yards in the air. And if I'm not mistaken, it was with his right foot, which is the foot that he broke. Um, so, um, I mean, that, that's a good sign right there. Not only he, – he had told me a couple of weeks ago that 
getting his win back was the big thing that he did not feel that he had that sort of cardiovascular fitness that he couldn't go for long periods, but that he d- was not having to think about the foot, that it wasn't hurting him. It wasn't bothering him. He could do everything that he needed to do. And I think he showed it on that one play. Um, it'd be interesting to, you know, the, the galaxy, they have a lot of guys who are really good at set pieces. Um, Gio's the guy that a lot, a lot of times takes the corner kicks. Allison Drini is very good at them. Both those guys were on the bench by that time. So Sebastian took the set piece, took the free kick, and uh, that was an awful good play. And then Siani, the guy that's kind of been uh, talked about as maybe the odd guy out, the Galaxy do need a foreign slot on their roster um, for Kamara. Uh, some talk that perhaps somebody there is close to a green card or could get one or could somehow change their 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 immigration status. Um, but Siani was the one that was looked at as maybe the, maybe the Galaxy would just – buy out his contract. Uh, they can do that with one player at each season, and maybe he's the guy that they buy out. They have to pay him, but he doesn't count against the salary cap. His uh, foreign uh, roster spot becomes open. Um, but he looked pretty good, especially on that play, and that's one thing that he can do that we know he can do. He's a big guy in front of the net. He's really good on set pieces, and he showed that he's informed on that play. Yeah, and he also seems like he's in shape too, Kevin, which is a, a good thing to to sort of acknowledge after last year, a bunch of people saying that, you know, he came back too soon. So so he looks right now to be in shape with everybody else. I mean, if that's the case, Siani's making a strong point here to be included in the starting lineup. And quite honestly, if he's on the roster, he should probably start with how much money he's making. Uh, but right now, Daniel Starris seems to have the edge on that, which I don't disagree with uh, either. So seeing Siani there, that was... That was interesting, and I think that's going to be a good battle for the LA Galaxy to sort of see who's going to take that other center back position next to uh, Shelvick and, and sort of see what kind of competition can do for Siani and for Starez and for Romney and for anybody else who has their mindset on playing that center back position. The the other thing is you you were mentioning immigration status. I did hear, and, uh, and I believe Siggy Schmidt was quoted as saying that it looks like possibly Ola Kamara could be the one who's getting the green card, uh, which would, of course, certainly help the LA Galaxy out in terms of international slots. So uh, that's just something to sort of keep an eye on. I had heard that rumor, and I've been digging into more of it and haven't sort of gotten official confirmation back that that seems like that's the way it's going. But that is a rumor that's out there that was stated, uh, I believe, by Siggy Schmidt. So uh, perhaps that is the easy way that that whole international slot gets cleared up uh, very quickly. Now, if the LA Galaxy were to, say, get somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kevin, they would need another international slot, which is why... Siani being bought out is still a very likely scenario uh, for a bunch of reasons, including that he would free up some TAM that perhaps the Galaxy would need to bring in to get Zlatan. So uh, again, we'll get more on the Zlatan stuff here in a second, but I wanted to sort of update on uh, on that before we got too far away from it. Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the Z Man. Well, shall, shall we? Well, hold on. I want to get. I want to close out this uh, the the rest of the the scrimmage because we can definitely talk about Zlatan. There's a bunch of things to talk about. Um, but the one other thing that I really wanted to touch on, Kevin, and you and I, and you, you talked about it a little bit, but I wanted to drive home the point is that Joel Pedro was on that third string uh, with the academy players, with the you know LA Galaxy two players, uh, you know the team that that looks like they're furthest from getting starting positions is that's where Joel Pedro is, and and do we even think that's fair? Is that just sort of a reaction to the fact the LA Galaxy have a bunch of midfielders and that he's just that far down in the pecking order now? Well, a lot of things. He was not, I didn't think, all that impressive last year. You know, he's not, he did have a transfer fee, but his salary is not all that high. You talk about needing a transfer, you know, a foreign uh, roster slot. 
maybe Pedro could be the odd guy out because he is he is third string at, at best, I think, right now at his position. Um, it probably not going to get a ton of minutes. You know, he's a young guy that they haven't invested a ton of money in. Um, you know, maybe he winds up being the expendable guy. Although I will say that some of these European players, especially you talked about Siani coming in and being totally fit. Remember, he joined the team in the middle of the summer after not playing very much in Europe. He was that's why he was available. So he came over not in game fitness, tried to step right in and play. And and I think everyone would agree that he struggled in his uh, MLS debut. Now he's had the off season to train, and I would assume he was training with some teams in France and what was working out with them every day. And I think he's fit now. And I think you're going to see the same with Alessandrini. Now he was with the team. He was with Marseille when he came over to the galaxy. But again, he wasn't playing either. Um, he stepped right in and looked pretty good and, and had a pretty good camp, but I kind of expect both those guys and maybe even Pedro as well, um, to start the season a little bit more fit than they started last one. And in Siani's case, his season started in the summer, but they, you're right. They do all look fit. I think they benefited from getting a, a look at MLS and the different, uh, the schedule, you know, the, the March to November schedule, which I think threw those guys for a little bit of a loop. Um, Pedro is an interesting case though, because I don't see him playing over kitchen. I don't see, I don't know that he plays over Baggio right now. And maybe he doesn't even play over Carrasco in that uh, central midfield spot, sort of, I'd sort of see him more as a holding midfielder than sort of an attacking midfielder, more uh, something that maybe Jonathan would do a little bit more. So if you look at that, he's maybe third, maybe fourth on that depth chart. Um, and, he, and he carries that foreign roster spot, which, you know, those can be acquired. New England seems to love to sell those. Those can be acquired. It's not that big a deal. But if uh, if it does get kind of dicey, that's a guy that maybe I don't know what the, the the options are. I still don't understand, and I don't think anybody does understands a lot of these MLS salary rules. Can he go down to uh, Galaxy Two? Can they put him there for a while and hang on to him and see what happens? Right now, I don't see him playing very many minutes on the. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. He may not be playing a whole bunch of min- minutes on that, and and that's certainly to take a take a a, a glance at. All right, now uh, now I think is the time. Now we can talk about uh, Mr. Z, Mr. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's been in the news a lot lately, Kevin, uh, and and sometimes not even linked to the LA Galaxy just because of news. Uh, apparently, they're gonna make a movie about Zlatan that is coming out, which I think is uh, is humorous and, and exciting. And if a guy wanted to get a movie made, Kevin, and he wanted to have the most exposure, where should he be whenever that movie comes out? Well, the I mean, you may have really solved this whole riddle because he has talked uh, before about wanting to get involved in, mo- in movies and coming to Hollywood. Um, that was always something that I understood he was going to get involved with at the end of his career. His, his uh, wife, I believe, is in the fashion industry. She wanted to come here as well. It's kind of the Beckham thing, you know, when when Posh Spice wanted to come here and get involved in modeling and fashion. And so the timing is perfect. And if he's really pushing for that Hollywood thing now, it does seem to make a lot of sense. But I'm, I, I, once again, as we did the last two years, I'm getting that kind of Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown feeling. Um, the other day... Um, uh, Jose Mourinho said that he had, sp- had a, spent a morning, I think it was Thursday, had spent the morning with Zlatan, and Zlatan never mentioned anything about leaving. Um, uh, Mourinho said Zlatan is in the last year of his contract if, and I'm saying if, I repeat, he said nothing about this to me. But if it is true and Zlatan wants a future in another club and in another country, then I will give him help and create conditions for that to happen. So Manchester United promising to let it happen, but saying that they've heard nothing official from Zlatan about it. Uh, his agent 
also was not the most committed guy about this. He said that um, that he is in relax that he's relaxed, he's in good shape, that he's had three or four months of time to decide, or he has three or four months of time to decide what he wants to do. So looking forward, basically saying he's under contract at Manchester United until May, and he has all that time to decide what he wants to do. Um, he's injured. He's not playing for Man United right now. Um, so, you know, it, some of the journalists I've talked to in England have, are sort of making the point that why would the Galaxy want an injured guy that can't even train with his team in England? Um, and when they say that, they appear to be suggesting that the level of MLS is so bad that, that the league can take a guy off an injured reserve list in the EPL and make him a starter. So a little bit up in the air. No one is saying he's on his way. Everyone's saying, yeah, you know, he can go if he wants to, if that's what he wants to do, he can go. No one's saying he's he's on his way. And in fact, Jose Mourinho, the guy that Zlatan would talk to, I think, if he was going to make this move, uh, says he knows nothing about it. And when you talk about him and the injury, also the age, we just got talk, uh, got done talking about Efrain Alvarez. Um, Zlatan is at the other end of that spectrum. Uh, he would have been, if he had played in MLS last year, he would have been the sixth oldest player in the league. A couple of those guys have apparently retired. That would make him, I think, the fourth or fifth oldest player in the league this year. He would come in at age 36. There are 73 newcomers on MLS rosters already in this training camp. The average age of those new players is 24.7. Zlatan is 12 years older than that. So, uh, again, you know, MLS keeps and, – and, and this information comes from an MLS plus press release from earlier today, earlier Monday. They're really pushing the idea that we are no longer the retirement league. Zlatan, of course, uh, puts that whole theory right on us here because – he is 36 and would be one of the oldest players in the league if he were to come. It doesn't, though. I mean, is, you're not allowed to have outliers. Everybody has to be 24 years old. Is that is that how? It's... Well, no. I mean, you have Ashley Cole, who's going to be 30. What? He's going to be 38 this season. 37, 30. No, 38 next well, after next season. 37 this right. year. Yeah, he'll be 38 in, in December. I don't know when his birthday falls, but um, well, it's on the 20th. So even if they made MLS Cup, he'd still be 37 for that. Um, and I think Ashley Cole has had two great seasons when he's been here. Of course, he hasn't been injured. Uh, the thing with Slotton is he got injured uh, and missed the end of last season and then came th- came out this season and got injured early. And so that suggests to me that perhaps the first injury didn't heal and that he was favoring it in some way that caused the second injury or that he's getting brittle. A lot of times as athletes in any sport get older, uh, the injuries uh, come closer and closer together simply because their body can't recover quickly enough. So um, it, it would definitely, you know, to me, the, the Galaxy will tell us that this is a guy that's going to really help them, uh, really help the team, and and this is the missing piece. Um, I wouldn't buy it. If they go ahead and get them, and if they, they, they get them cheap, I think it would be a good deal, but it's definitely more of a marketing thing, sell some shirts, uh, you know, get people to drive to StubHub Center instead of pulling off the freeway at Exhibition Park and watch LAFC, get them to drive down to StubHub Center and watch uh, – Zlatan play. I just don't see that. I, I Again, as we said last week, I don't see him helping the team. Uh, I think the team they have right now is really, really good. And, and, and you know, you made the argument that he would come off the bench. Um, that that would just seem so weird from, uh, you know, to me to see Zlatan coming off the bench in MLS. Yeah. I don't well, know that he'd want to do that. I mean, well, he can't play right now in, uh, at Manchester United. And that's even if he was healthy because he's probably still the third string guy. Uh, if that happens. So he's a bench player there. So, I mean, here's the thing is if the Galaxy gamble, and this has always been the smart, it's the smart move in, in my opinion. If the Galaxy gamble on Zlatan, let's say they don't get Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Let's say he does not end up on the LA Galaxy this year. 
we st- you and I both agreed that the LA Galaxy still look really good, that they did a great job in the offseason, right? Oh, absolutely. I, and I think they I think they look better without him, frankly. Well, yeah, but this is this is the argument. You say that he's he's probably not going to be healthy enough to play that much. And if he does play, you know, like I've said, it's going to be limited minutes. So if the L.A. Galaxy are already fine without him, then him coming, giving the marketing dollars that are certainly there. And yes, it is a PR move. And why wouldn't it be a PR? David Beckham was a huge PR move whenever he came. Um, so it's still a PR move. That's fine. And if he ends up helping the LA galaxy, he may be able to help them be a team that was going to be maybe third or fourth or fifth in the Western conference to a first place finish in the Western conference or a second place finish in the Western conference. There's no downside to this. The worst part, the worst thing that could possibly happen is that the LA galaxy don't sign him. I mean, that's, and that's already a good scenario. So, I mean, him coming on, him doing things, if he shows up, it's basically anything that you can get out of him will probably be a great thing. Now, I'm willing to admit that I think him coming off the bench is a stretch. However, that's the smart way to play him. Um, He can't go 65, 70 minutes probably anymore, uh, especially not with his injury. And if you do make him that starter and you do put that pressure on him, you're going to break him. Uh, he's too old. I, I will certainly admit that, and I'll be the first one to say it. But th- there's opportunity costs here, and the opportunity cost is if you don't sign him, if you don't try to sign Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you're you're stupid. All right. Well, that- again, it depends on how much it costs. And the other thing, I I really am concerned because we saw it last year. How is he going to be in the locker room? And you hear all the stories about about his ego, and some of it sounds like it could be a problem. Some of it sounds like he's just having fun, and and that. That could play really well. A guy that kind of comes in and is sort of full of himself, but it's all with a wink and a nod. That could be a lot of fun. If he comes over and he's going to sit there with Ephraim Alvarez and and help him with his game, and he's going to give some tips to a guy like Boateng or Sebastian Lejet, who are still young players coming up, and, and if he's going to fill that role as sort of um, the coach on the field or the coach on the roster and be okay with limited minutes, man, it, it could be it could be one of the best signings the galaxy have ever made. But if he comes over and complains about not playing every day and he's injured and he wants to play and Ziggy puts him in just to shut him up, but he can't play. Um, and, uh, he starts to gripe in, in the locker room like Jermaine did last year. Um, things could go south really quickly because he is going to suck a lot of air out of that locker room if he's not a happy camper. And that is the sort of thing that, that, that worries me. You're right. The upside is incredible. But I think so is the possible downside. Yeah, it could be. And, and I, I don't I, listen. I think that if you have Siggy Schmidt in there, that this is a guy who's not necessarily going to take any of his crap. I mean, I don't think he's I don't think Siggy Schmidt was re- really ready to take any of Jermaine Jones's crap anymore whenever it came down to it. And he gave him the armband. He certainly did. And that was a, a Band-Aid thing that happened down the, the stretch. I don't believe for a second. Who who led the L.A. Galaxy out to start this? Uh, the, the first 30 minutes, who was the first guy out of position, technically speaking, who led the Galaxy on? of the field this time it, it was actually cool it was actually cool well that's who it should be and uh, you know you say that that ziggy's going to make all this work the players that i talked to ziggy was not the most popular guy in fact a lot of them like kurt an awful more when you just look at guys that they would run through a brick wall for and guys that they trusted and granted a lot of the guys on that team got their start and and kurt an awful pushed them onto the first team so there was some loyalty there Ziggy was not the most popular guy. I think it's totally different now. He's He gets to build this team, the team that he wants from the start. I think it will have a huge uh, impact 
I've never known Ziggy not to be a popular coach where he's been. So I'm going to look at that and just sort of take that with a grain of salt, what happened last year. But the fact that, you know, if you're going to say Ziggy is going to control Ibrahimovic and he's not going to take any of his crap, I just look back to last year and said, oh, my God, you know, Jermaine Jones was just a load the whole season and everybody knew it. And Ziggy kept handing him the armband. Now, if he's going to give it to Cole, that's great. That's what he should have done last year. And I think everyone agrees that that guy is the team leader. Well, I mean, if you're looking at it in terms of, of man management, you certainly look at, uh, and I agree with you because you know we've we've been talking about this for a while that Siggy was not very well liked. Well, one of the reasons he probably wasn't very well liked is that he came in and almost immediately sat down with players and said, "Hey, by the way, you're not going to be here next year. All right, we, we you're not in our long term plans. If you have somewhere else you need to go, this is probably you probably want to start you know angling towards that because you're not going to be here next year." And so. Obviously, that would make a locker room that is already losing and giving up a whole bunch of goals uneasy uh, and not a fun place to be around. And then Siggy did what a lot of really great managers, and I'm talking about managers in the real world, not just in football, do, is he went out and he brought in his own guys. He got rid of guys and he brought in his own guys. So a lot of guys who didn't like him last year are no longer with this team. And so he gets a chance to bring in his own guys who he already believes in. You know, you talk about somebody like, you know, Jorgen Schelvik came in and Siggy Schmidt knows that he wants Shelvick. He wants him in this team. You know, Felcher, he knows that he wants him in this team. There's already a certain, hey, this guy went out to get me. He got me. I'm on this team and I'm going to play for him because he's he's the guy who wanted me. A lot of that changes. I mean, the whole dynamic of this offseason changes with the fact that I think Siggy went about building a very smart team. Um, and, and you look at that. I mean, even a guy like Ola Kamara knows that the Galaxy have wanted him since the season ended and that they went out and they got him and that they traded something significant for him. And all of these things happened. Um, now he's, you know, Ola Kamara is a Siggy guy. Uh, you know, Giovanni Dos Santos is probably a Siggy guy now. There's a lot of guys who he's probably changed their minds. And, well, that, and, and, I, and you're right. Because that now that explains a little bit, I think, why perhaps Jao Pedro is on the third team. He's not a Ziggy guy. And so you're right. These guys are going to be loyal to him. And you talked about the five new starters. If you say Jonah came in the same day as Ziggy, so if you say he wasn't on the roster when Ziggy took the job, that's six new starters. and They're the designated players and guys like Steris who you know clearly should be starting. But the rest of the guys, the kind of the tweeners, the guy you said, yeah, he's a good, play, good, solid MLS player. I'm going to bring someone in to start in front of him. Um, you're right. A lot of the the Ziggy's now, the lineup that Ziggy has now, they're all loyal to him, and that was a smart, not only in just reconstructing the team, which absolutely had to happen, but again, like you said, bringing in guys that are loyal to him that knows that, hey, Ziggy Schmidt, the coach, picked me. I didn't just get traded over here. This is the guy that went out and got me. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and that's why, again, I, I think you're going to see a rebuilt locker room. I think there's a lot more positivity already in that locker room, uh, you know, than there ever was last year. And, and, and that's just, again, winning solves a lot of things. And then optimism certainly helps as well. And I feel like the LA Galaxy have returned some optimism and feel like they're going to be a, a competitive force. And so I get what you're saying about Zlatan and, and coming in, but I think Zlatan's coming into a much different locker room in terms of health. Now, if the Galaxy start losing and can't win games, I think that all goes south and we can obviously reassess that. But right now, he'd be coming into what I consider a healthy locker room, a healthy team, and that's different than if he would have come in, you know, last summer 
uh, whenever the galaxy were apparently uh, chasing him down. Um, so, so all of these things have to be taken in. I just think that, and I think Soccer by Ives, uh did a, a, a an article today, or, or maybe it was Ives writing for Goal.com. I'd have to go back and check, but saying that the Galaxy really have to have to go out and try to sign Zlatan basically at all costs. And one of the reasons that you know that I think that that makes a whole bunch of sense is that you already have a good team, and if Zlatan is healthy and can play, you might have a great team. And if he can't play, then you got the marketing dollars out of it. That's well, a, a cup. You know who the, I think this places a lot of pressure on Ashley Cole and 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 kudos to, uh, for Ziggy to give him the armband. And the reason I say that is he's the only guy with the gravitas in that locker room to go up to Zlatan and say, "This is how we do it in MLS." This is something that Robbie Keane did before Landon Donovan did before him. David Beckham was a little bit quieter and really didn't have that presence in the clubhouse. Certainly did on the team, but. Ashley Cole's the only, I mean, you, you're not going to have, um, you know, as good as he is and as experienced as he is, Perry Kitchen is not going to go up to Zlatan and say, hey, this is how we do it in MLS. Ashley Cole's played in, in Champions League. He's played for Chelsea. He's the best left back in probably the history of the uh, English national team. He's a quiet guy, and I don't see, uh, you know, he maybe he works behind the scenes. But if he has that armband and he has that, that uh, resume behind him, he's the guy that can go up to Zlatan and say, hey, you know, fit into the locker room, don't take it over, if that needs to be done. And again, you know, I, I, I didn't cover Paris Saint-Germain when he played there. I don't know what he is really like other than uh, sort of the, the, you know, the stories that we get about some of the right. buffoonish things that he kind of does. Uh, the other thing you talk about how this team is different from last year, I was just thinking um, – Last year at this time, they had gone to camp and Robbie Rogers was still not training. Nobody knew who was going to play right back. They had traded A.J. De La Garza away. Management did not seem concerned in the least. They made no moves to try to shore up what was an obvious open position. And they started the season with a midfielder playing there. And then they went to Nathan Smith and then things got worse from there. Contrast that with now when the team was a week away from training camp and everyone said, we need a striker. God, we have to have a striker. And granted, they've been working on it for months, but they were on their way to training camp without a striker. And then they went and got the best guy on the market, the fourth leading scorer in MLS over the last three years. And the only one of those top four that was going to move, Bradley Wright Phillips is not moving. Those the other guy, you know, they're not moving. They went out and got the best available guy. And so I think when people entered that locker room for the start of camp, they were like, yeah, Management has our back. They knew what we needed. They went on, and we're not going to win with the team that we had. They went out and got us the guy that we needed. Makes a huge difference. Yeah, let me uh, let me sidetrack us here for a second because I have an Ashley Cole story um, about when I was in England. Uh, whenever I went to go see uh, Chelsea play, we talked about this a little bit. Um, I went and I went really early and I got in and I was walking through and one of the security guys asked to see my ticket and he checked it. And so it was fine. And we ended up talking for a little bit. Um, and so, cause he wasn't really that busy. So we were just sort of going back and forth and the whole thing. And he asked me where I was from. I said, you know, the States and he goes, Oh, what do you do? And I go, well, my fake job is that I cover the LA galaxy. He goes, Oh, Ashley Cole's team. And I'm like, yeah, I go, that's right. I go, he goes, yeah, we don't like him. And I'm like, I'm like, really? I go, I go, listen, I know that there were some things off the field that were not good things that happened, you know, a, a, a wife scandal, a whole bunch of things. I know that. I, I paid attention. But for Chelsea, Ashley Cole was a very good player for them for a very long time. I would, it was just, it was shocking to me. And by the way, that sentiment was echoed by other people I had talked to around the stadium whenever I was going, 
eventually I would bring up the fact that I covered the galaxy and and that um and they would be like, oh, Ashley Cole. They all knew Ashley Cole played for the galaxy. That wasn't the issue, Kevin. The issue was they didn't like him. And they're like, good, he can stay in the United States. I mean, literally, they were like, good, he can stay there. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, I'm like, you know, now you understand why Ashley Cole's probably back this year, Kevin. Because he doesn't want to go back to England where that is the general, it feels like the general sentiment about the team that he played on and was such a, I would say, a star for for so many years. Um, it makes sense to me why he's in Los Angeles hiding out and he may never leave, quite honestly. I think if he can stay, he might decide just to stay in L.A. for until until the very end. At least that, that was my take. But do you find that at all strange or weird? No, I find it uh, predictable. He left Chelsea to go to another club. He went to Roma, and uh, you know he wasn't. I, I don't know if he was going to lose his minutes at Chelsea or what the deal was, but clearly the contract. I, I think he went. I think the contract was actually smaller, but the point is he left Chelsea uh, for Roma, and so I think that probably uh, you know ticked a lot of people off. I, I've heard stories about players when they're considering maybe a, a jump to another EPL team, where some of the ultras actually come to the player's house and protest and. I can't remember the player's name, but there was someone who had to call the police to get them off of his driveway that this torch-carrying mob had come up and basically just told him, you better not you know, switch teams. you got a nice career going there, buddy. We wouldn't want to see anything happen to it. That's, and that's it's, nice. just, it's just a little bit crazy. But So if Ashley Cole is the leader in that in that locker room and if Slotan does come and, and Ashley goes over and lays down the law, does that make it Coe's law? <laughs> yes, Coleslaw. That was good. How long did you think about that one? I <laughs> I've mean, been working on that for weeks. That's that's a dad joke right there that I can really <laughs> get behind. That is that is a positive pun right there. That's very good. All right, uh, good job. Is anything else on Zlatan you want to cover, or should we uh, should we move on? Where are we moving on to? Because I have a uh, I wanted to talk about the Galaxies soon to be announced NWSL team. And uh, please tell me about the Galaxy's NWSL team. This is a great thing. I have I know nothing. Please inform me. Oh, I know nothing either, but I'm just speculating because oh, okay. I look at just or just within the last week Sydney LaRue as you may know is married to Dom Dwyer who um, who, who I, still plays for Sporting Kansas City according to you. Well, that <laughs> actually you're right on the story there. He was traded to Orlando City just completely a, a big surprise. And so uh, finished the season with Orlando City. Sydney LaRue was not playing. She was with FC Kansas City and was not playing because uh, she had just given birth. Now she's ready to play again. And guess what? She just got traded to Orlando City. One of the best players in the league traded to the same city uh, and the same organization where her husband plays. I mean, it's it's just illogical unless it had happened many times before. And the most recent example of that would have been Alex Morgan, who uh, started uh, her career with Seattle Sounders women. Uh, her soon-to-be husband played for Seattle Sounders at the time. Then Alex went to Portland. Her husband was still with Seattle, an hour, about an hour, hour and a half drive. Then her husband moves to Orlando, and Alex Morgan, probably the best player in the league, gets traded to Orlando, um, where her husband is. Now her husband with the LA Galaxy. Yep. No NWSL team here. So if all of this continues forward, I think we're going to see an NWSL team here. No, How's that for I'm, logic? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying. And, and by the way, you know, people may think, and I heard this uh, this argument, and I wanted to counter the argument is that um, is that it was sort of you know sexist that these women would have to follow their men. The the bottom line is that Alex Morgan and Sydney Larue are so uh, unbelievably popular and talented within NWSL, they can basically force the moves to go wherever they want to go. 
Um, so this has to do more with the women's power to move wherever they want to go and less with the uh, the men's power whatsoever to be able to go where they want to go. I mean, uh, uh, Servando Carrasco, I, I'm guessing, did, probably didn't want to move all the way across the uh, the country and, and, and go to the LA Galaxy, although I, I think it's probably a, a fun thing for him. But, you know, the bottom line is that that was that was he, he didn't have enough power to keep that from happening. So that happened. Whereas Alex Morgan and Sidney LaRue um, can sort of force their way into uh, into different markets wherever they sort of want to be. That's that's their power and uh, and their playing ability. But yeah, well, I'm not I'm not buying right. it. I'm being somewhat facetious, but um, I, I guess if you're a fan of women's soccer and in the United States, uh, you know, the best players in the world. And I am a fan of that. Um, I just don't understand why. And again, this, that was all facetious. I'm not saying L.A. Galaxy is going to have a team, although they do have a women's academy. And Mia Hamm, one of the co-owners of LAFC, has talked about founding an uh, NWSL franchise through LAFC. So it could happen. I don't understand why it hasn't happened yet. Uh, I know that the Seoul uh, was a disaster, but that was financial um, when they played here. You look at the programs at USC and UCLA. U- UCLA finished uh, second in the nation last year. USC was the defending national champion and entered the last season. You just had the men's national team play a game at Stub Up Center. The women played a week before and outdrew them almost 18,000 to a game in San Diego. Um, the, the, the record, the number one and two records for um, uh, college women's soccer game attendance uh, were both UCLA-USC games the last two years. I think two of the last three years those records were set. So, the, you know, the fans are here and the players are here. You know, the, the, the state that's contributed the most players to the women's national team is California. I don't understand why we don't have a team here. Uh, yeah, uh, again, it's a different, it's probably a different climate than it was whenever you had, uh, had the LA soul. And I went to some of those games. Um, I always thought it was a great idea to do the double headers. I love going to LA soul games and then being able to see the LA galaxy games later in the day. Um, but it's a different market now. I, I think that LA should have an NWSL team at bottom line. Uh, and I think the LA galaxy are wasting money if they have a girls Academy that is not feeding, uh, their property quite honestly. So if they're not going to start an NWSL team, then why have a girls academy that will be developing that talent for LAFC's NWSL team? It just that's a stretch for me. Um it's difficult to comprehend a lot of things. So that's that's sort of one of the things I would love to see the LA Galaxy get involved with NWSL and have LA have an NWSL team. It, it makes sense to me. Um and I think maybe that time time has come now. So I think it's time. Uh, what do you call the team? You know, one thing NWSL has done is I love the names like Orlando City. The men's team is the Lions, so the women's team is the Pride. That I, I just kind of like that. You know, there's the Timbers and then the Thorns in Portland. What would you call the Galaxy women's team? No, I, I can we just bring the soul back? I kind of like that. That was still that Galaxy was related. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I haven't thought about it all that much. The the name is this is sort of the secondary thing for me. I, I would love to see a commitment from, uh, you know, one LA team to get an NWSL team in 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 California or in Los Angeles, and you know, somewhat maybe uh, self serving wise, I would love for it to be the LA Galaxy because then I could just wrap that right under the corner of the Galaxy sort of umbrella as well, and and we could just add the NWSL coverage to everything else we do here on Corner of the Galaxies. That's, you know, it's self-serving on my part, but that makes it the most easy. If it's an LAFC NWSL team, I can't, I don't think I can wrap that into the the, the coverage that we well, could do here. FC Barcelona, that messy club, the real FC Barcelona, they were uh, talking long and hard about opening a uh, women's expansion team. They were going to go to the San Jose area, and I don't know where that is. That was hot and heavy 
about a year ago, and the word was it could be announced at any time, and something all the talks had a snag, and that's been way back burnered now. Um, this is a better market for that, frankly, with the college teams here, with the two MLS teams. And I think you're right. I mean, I think it has to be – you kind of have to look at it at, not as a money-losing proposition. I don't think you do anything to lose money. But um, if the Galaxy or LAFC started a women's team, I don't think they would look at it as a, a money maker. And I do think you're right, playing those double headers and giving the woman a, a little bit of exposure – uh, from those big crowds that would hopefully would show up to see some of these national team players. I think it'd be great. It, it, it would be great for soccer. It would be great for MLS, frankly, uh, to, to make that tie a little bit tighter. It would be great for the women's game, and, and it would be great for Southern California because I think we need to have one of those teams here. Yeah, make, makes a lot of sense to me. All right, uh, let's get to the LA Galaxy actually have a game this weekend. Uh, LA Galaxy on Saturday, February 10th. It's LA Galaxy versus New York City FC. It is a 7 p.m. kickoff time. This is the second preseason game of the 2018 preseason. Uh, so as you said, Kevin, New York City FC will be playing the day before uh, a scrimmage against uh, LAFC at UCLA. So what what can we expect to see from this game? You should expect to see some tired legs on both sides. Uh, I, I don't really know what should what should you hope to see is is sort of always I think the best question. And what I would hope to see, Kevin, is that you continue to develop that starting lineup, that A team starting lineup, continues to develop the chemistry that they're going to need going into the first matches of of the year. And I think you're going to see Siggy Schmidt. Uh, really try to make sure that that first team, again, is getting all the minutes together. So um, he's trying to breed familiarity here as much as possible because he realizes he has a brand new team, Kevin, that has not played together, that there are you know five or six new faces uh, sort of on this field to start this year, and that all the minutes they can get playing in a real game situation is going to benefit them, and I think that's the overall goal for me. Well, no backsliding. I mean, they don't have to click on all cylinders. They don't have to even win the game. They don't have to score 20 goals. They don't have to do any of that. Just whatever mistakes they made last time, clean them up and then make no new mistakes. You want to see that chemistry continue to develop. And I did think it was pretty good with the back six. Um, maybe have Kamara get on um, you know, on the same page with some of the midfielders. Maybe see Sebastian Legette push it a little bit, although I really don't. I think Ziggy may go with that 30-30-30 again. I thought that worked out pretty well, and it gave everybody uh, some quality minutes. I was at the LAFC's first uh, preseason game, and they went 45-45, which was fine, but then there was a whole extra team of players that didn't get uh, you know, any quality minutes. So uh, I think that's a good idea. So maybe Sebastian stays at 30, although – Maybe maybe a little more high tempo, 30 minutes. Uh, to me, the key is just don't backslide. Uh, what, keep the foundation that you built and move forward. And you don't have to move forward a great distance. You just have to build on what happened in the first game. Are, are you at the game this weekend, or are you off covering something else? I will be on the day of this game. I will be covering the the um, U.S. Soccer Federation election in Orlando. Uh, the election for a new president, first contested election in since 1998. So we will be covering that, and then from there drive to Tampa to watch the Kings play against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, you lucky so it's are a you! Full day of sports. I was gonna say that sounds that sounds good. Uh, I will be at the game on Saturday, so I will see everybody there. If you see me, uh, ask me for a sticker. I'm sure I'll be carrying some around, so I'd be happy to get everybody uh, a sticker that I see, and uh, hopefully I won't run out. I always run how, out. How about shirts? How about shirts? Let's Do talk. We have any shirts available? Scarfs? Let, what what a great segue that is, Kevin. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, the we of course the corner of the galaxy shirts are for sale right now. We have a brand new 2018 
version of our of our t-shirt. It's exclusive, and again, we are doing something the LA Galaxy are not doing on their kits or uniforms. We are giving you five stars above our corner of the Galaxy crest right there. Uh, I think we've earned at least five uh, over the years, Kevin, in, in terms of uh, what we've done. But it, it says 2018 on it. It's sort of a, a special limited edition. We'll run it for, you know, the first couple months of this year, and then, um, you know, we'll go ahead and retire it. So if you're thinking about getting it, uh, you want to do that. Go to Bonfire and type in uh, COG or Corner of the Galaxy, and you can search our open campaigns there. They come in five colors, Kevin. Five wonderful colors, and I know the perfect one. I'll tell you which one I think is the best-looking one, and I'm not kidding. I ordered one for myself already, so don't think I'm, I'm lying to you. The pink one is by far the nicest color that we're offering it in. There's also a gray, there's a white, there's like a charcoal black color, and then there's a navy blue as well, but that pink one is fire. I will be wearing that on a future podcast, guaranteed. What about tote bags? NPR gives away tote bags. We have tote bags yet? Well, we don't have NPR voices, so we can't give away those boring tote bags for boring voices. That's that's what I say. Um, Let's get Nina Totenberg on here. <laughs> that doesn't. All I can ever think of whenever it's NPR is is really the uh, the the Saturday Night Live skit with the had Will Ferrell on there. Yeah, that um, was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, with the with the uh, with the what was it the the my my salt my 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 the sweaty balls. Wait, wasn't Will Ferrell? It was. Uh, it was what's his name um, from Thirty Rock, Kevin, the guy who, and I can't believe I don't know this. But anyway, it was the it was the famous sweaty balls. Yeah, you can't you can't mention Will Ferrell. He's from the other team. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, did you see Adam Sandler was was caught wearing an LA rocking Galaxy a, rocking a Galaxy T-shirt? Yeah. Yeah, for a concert. So uh, Adam Sandler. I mean, quite honestly, if you're gonna trade off between Will Ferrell. Or Adam Sandler, I'm in. I'm on the Adam Sandler side all day long. There, right? I mean, such oh, great. Man, you just lo- you lost me so big time right <laughs> such, there. Such <laughs> such a great epic comedies, such as uh, actually, you know, I was going to say that uh, that 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 some of them, um, you know, ha- actually have been pretty. But there's been some horrible Adam Sandler movies. Don't, so I'm not don't even try. tell me that Adam Sandler's even seen a movie better than Talladega Nights, <laughs> um, Semi Pro. Anchorman, come on. There, there are some, there are some really, really great Will Ferrell movies. But uh, again, I mean, Happy Gilmore is still one of the best golf movies ever made. Uh, probably better than Tin Cup, in my opinion, uh, or the greatest game that ever played with uh, with with Shia LaBeouf. That was if you, yeah, uh huh. Some really quality flicks there. But anyway, Corner of the Galaxy shirts for sale. Bonfire.com. I'll put the link in the podcast as well. And they were down over the weekend. Everything's back up now, so you're more than welcome to order those. I will tell you, uh, Corner of the Galaxy scarves should be here in the next couple of days. I've been told there should be arriving. Your best chance and probably your first chance at getting one will, of course, be my next segue, which is the open house on February 17th. Kevin, are you going to be able to make this? As of right now, I will be there. All right. I will be looking for my scarf and a tote bag. And a tote, tote bag. bag. Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> so Kevin should be there. Uh, Jared Dubois also going to try to make it. Wendy Thomas is going to be there as well. So we're going to have a plethora of, uh, of Corner of the Galaxy hosts there to talk to you. Uh, we will sign anything you want, although I'm pretty sure that it will probably ruin the value of whatever it is. We will have Corner of the Galaxy scars for sales. We'll have stickers here. Um, then we're also going to do a, uh, a, a sort of auction and and sale, equipment sale. I'm going to go through all of my old kits. 
uh, and put a price on those. And any of the money that I uh, sell from those will go to the LA Galaxy Foundation. So any of the auction items that we do will be benefiting the LA Galaxy Foundation. Our scarves, of course, will benefit our podcast. Um, so that way we can keep the doors open and the lights on and, and keep paying Kevin all of the high salaries that we can pay him on a That's regular right. basis. And, and don't we have like the Galaxy, some of the, their... Um, the, the Star Squad? Cosmos, come, the Star Squad, maybe Cosmo even? Maybe Cosmo. I've heard that maybe we might get Cosmo. He may be able to stop by. I don't know when that would be, but we are going to have members of the LA Galaxy Star Squad here as well. Uh, we should have drinks. I imagine there's probably going to be some donuts as well. Um, so we'll do that. And we are planning on doing a Q&A session with some of the Corner of the Galaxy hosts. So if you'd like to know anything about how we got started or about how we record or anything, and of course the studio will be open for you to come in and take pictures with, uh, that goes from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., I am going to publish a schedule when we think that Q&A is going to start happening. And then, of course, the LA Galaxy host the San Jose Earthquakes at the Orange County Great Park at 2 p.m. that day. So we'll wrap everything up around 12 p.m. and then eventually get over to uh, the stadium where we can watch that game as well. So February 17th, mark your calendars. Let me know if you're coming on Twitter or on Facebook. If you head over to the Facebook page, you can RSVP for that just to sort of give me an idea. But it's not required. Just stop on by. We'd love to see you. Um, however many people turn out, that'd be great. Uh, but really, we're we're, we're trying to do something nice here for the Galaxy Foundation. So bring your cash if you can. Um, I will try to have my my credit card reader as well on hand so that we can do that as well. You but what? If you're raising money for the Galaxy Foundation, I really think, and I will help you with this if you want, we need to shame somebody from the organization to coming by, whether it be Chris Klein, whether it be a player, whether it be anybody. Um, uh, the Star Squad is great, and hopefully we'll see Cosmo. But you're, running, you're, you know, you're raising money for the foundation, which is great. Um, we need to, I think we, we need should to shame somebody into coming by. I think maybe that's a good idea. Maybe maybe I'll work on that that weekend. We'll try to shame somebody. And and I'm also told, and I'm still working on this, that I'm possibly going to have an LA Galaxy signed kit, a new kit signed um, that possibly we could give away as well. So um, in terms of a giveaway, that might be our raffle uh, item that we're going to do, and, and we'll figure out a way to do that and make sure that uh, everybody gets a chance at it. So that's going to be sort of uh, sort of fun for the rest of the time. So that's what we got uh, February 17th, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's so early because... Uh, there's a game at 2 p.m., so we wanted to make sure we gave everybody enough time to get over to the stadium and still enjoy a little bit, maybe of some tailgating before that game started. Uh, let's see, anything else I want to talk about before we get on out of here? Again, Galaxy Play on Saturday, February 10th, uh, versus New York City FC at StubHub Center, 7 p.m., so make sure you're there for that. Your first chance to see the team in person. That'll be, a, I think, a fun night, and of course, I'll be there, so make sure you say hi. Kevin, anything else you want to uh, cover before no we get out questions? of here? No questions? No questions for us? No one... Showed us any love? Somebody asked us what we would think of, or, or what sort of, here, I'll, I'll give it to you exactly. Jose, uh, at Pele Navarrio? Navarrio? Yeah, Navarrio7 uh, on Twitter says, uh, what sort of experiment should we expect from Siggy versus New York? Lineups, formations, rotation order, uh, any of these are, are, are any of these a top priority? And, and I think I covered a little bit, but the top priority is to get the uh, quote-unquote starting lineup. Uh, as much as many minutes as you can together to sort of continue to work on develop that chemistry. Anything that happens from the second team, or if they go 30, 30, and 30 again from a third team, any of those things that happen are are of little consequence. The first 30 minutes with that A starting team is the most important thing to watch for, and I would expect that Siggy's not going to sway too far from that, at least in my mind. No, I like I really like the 30 30 30 thing. It's much better. You do have the second team has to play and then sit and play again and that can be tough for guys who are just getting their legs. It really can be you run hard for 15 minutes and then you sit and you come out and you're really stiff. 
and that's a legitimate problem. But um, they might have to do that in regular season anyway. So it's probably good to get them through that. But I don't, you know, I, I really think that Diggy wants to continue to build on this foundation. And if you say, well, maybe put Emma on the second team because that's where he's going to play most likely and bring Sebastian up. Well, if he's not ready, I think you go with and you say, these are the 11 players that I'm probably going to start the season with. We need to get 100% sure that these guys, you know, can work with each other. And then once once you're sure about that, then you can start to mix and match. But it's just like with an NBA team, you don't have your six man play with five starters just to get some chemistry until everyone and the starting five has, you know, are, are on the same page. So I don't see any changes. There was that one uh, you wanted to talk about a possible um, acquisition, perhaps, or, or a deal with, uh, with an African player that may wind up on Galaxy Two. Yeah, I'm actually as we're as we're just in case you guys don't think I'd ever do anything. I'm actually texting about it right now as I'm recording the podcast. Uh, there's a 19 year old Nigerian. His name is uh, Moshad Abiola Oladele. Uh, he has been linked in articles to LA Galaxy. Now, I will tell you this. All the information that I can find on him is is not so much about being linked to the LA Galaxy, but actually on the G2 side, on the Galaxy 2 side. Um, he has been on trial, apparently, with the USL side for a little while. Um, so if he is going to land anywhere, I don't want you to get confused. That was really the only point of bringing this up is I don't want you to get confused. Right now, it seems like a Galaxy 2 player. Um, rather than this is an LA Galaxy senior team signing, but still, uh, 19-year-old Niger- Nigerian named uh, Moshad Abiola Oladele. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because there is no way in hell I'm ever going to try to say that name. <laughs> I was gonna, you, you watch. He's going to start. He's going to get why, signed. To that's the, why I tried to do that. He's going to get signed to the senior team, and we're going to make you pronounce his name, and we'll have to go no, through I'm speech therapy. Coming up with a nickname, we're yeah. gonna have to have a nickname for him. I, I'm sure that can be accomplished. I'm that's sure part of the happen. that's part of Coe's law. <laughs> we have to have nicknames. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. All right, Kevin, is there anything else uh, you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, I think I'm punch drunk. We're done. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. And of course, you can go over to LA Times and follow him for all of his soccer coverage. Going to cover that U.S. soccer presidential election which will be more interesting, I'm sure, and it gets more and more interesting every single day. So pay attention to Mr. Kevin Baxter for that, uh, as well as all your LA Galaxy news. If you're looking for us on Twitter, at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast is our Corner of the Galaxy Twitter handle, and then head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our news, all of our podcasts, everything else LA Galaxy-related is right there at cornerofthegalaxy.com. And don't forget to head on over to Bonfire, bonfire bonfire.com, just like it sounds. Type in Corner of the Galaxy or COG, and you can look up those wonderfully beautiful five different colored, five different shirts, all sorts of fun stuff right there uh, for you at the Corner of the Galaxy. And again, scarves are on the way. So for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. We'll see everybody out there at the game. Have a great night, everybody. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.